Welcome to this Niche AudioCast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader here at Niche. Today you're going to hear a webinar that's been converted to a podcast so you can listen on the go. You can find all the resources that are mentioned, as well as the original recording, on the Enrollment Insights blog, which you can find at niche.bz insights. Enjoy! We're going to get started. Uh, we're going to be talking about results from our survey of parents. This is the second time that we've done a survey of parents who are looking for colleges, who have looked for colleges. Uh, so these are all parents whose children started college this past fall. Uh, so we want to know about their college search process, their timelines, how they made their decisions, uh, how they evaluated quality and, and helped their students uh, in their college search. A few things, just some housekeeping that I want to cover that it comes up often is questions. Uh, yes, we are recording this. Uh, there will be a recording sent out tomorrow, uh, as well as a podcast version. Uh, if you want to find the original research for all this, and there's uh, some Tableau dashboards in there so you can slice and dice uh, to see how certain types of parents uh, behave differently, I can view all that on the Enrollment Insights blog. A short way to get to that is just niche.bz slash research. Uh, the audio version will be in the Enrollment Insights podcast feed. Uh, so you can catch all this on your drive in tomorrow, share it out, uh, whatever works best for you as well. Any questions, any comments, usually the go-to launcher comes in the right-hand side of your screen. Uh, you should be able to just drop your questions in there, and we'll be getting to those at the end. Okay, before we dive in, before we get into, I, I just want to look at the highest level here. And answer that question, do parents matter in the college search? Because I know a lot of schools don't have parent conflows. Uh, so the answer here is absolutely. Uh, in terms of how they were involved, 88% said that they helped search for colleges with their students. Uh, this year, 12% said they did the college search for their child. Uh, and that is up significantly from last year's results. Uh, we had 4% last year say they did the search for their child. Uh, this year, it's now 12%. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been having conversations where this comes up. I actually spoke to a director of marketing a little earlier this week who mentioned that he had seen more parental involvement this year than ever before. And the results are, are bearing that out. Uh, so it really makes sense to involve parents early, really talk to them about the process, the expectations. You know, even if someone has a graduate degree or two, the process has changed ways of researching colleges have changed from when they went through it themselves. One thing I want to mention here, I, I'm not going to keep talking about this and keep hammering it all the way through, but everything we're talking about should be looked at through the frame of relevance today. It's providing the relevant information to the parents. So that means that you're saying not just here's why you should care about our school, but here's why we fit what exactly your student is looking for in your situation. So everything has to be highly relevant. You know, having these segmented conflows for students, great. Now start thinking about how do we segment our parents, provide them with what they need. As we get started here, I'm just going to launch a quick poll. We'll have the results of this uh, in the email tomorrow as well. I just want to know, you know, how are you engaging parents? When do you start that process? Is it in the prospect stage? In the inquiry stage, so after someone started having some actions coming to you, is it at the application stage? So they've already submitted that that application. That's when you first start talking to parents. Is it the accepted student stage? So after they get that acceptance letter, that's when you start talking to the parents. Or do you just not 
talk to parents yet. Still have a few more coming in. I'll give this a little bit longer. I'll share this out so you can do some benchmarking in terms of where do we stand uh, with, with other colleges. Okay, good. It looks like most people they're attending at least are talking to parents. Good. We'll go ahead and close this out. And I'll share the results real quick. Most people are starting pretty early, which is great. That's a shift of conversations that I'd had uh, in prior years where a lot of people were saying, we don't, we don't know how to talk to parents. You know, once we have their contact info when the student applies, sure, but we don't know how right now. Uh, so yeah, that, that's great. And I'll, I'll put those in the email tomorrow. So you'll have all that. Most common question, and I think is often a bit of an excuse for not having parent comm flows, uh, is that schools say they don't have their contact info. So I wanted to share just some quick ways that you can reach parents. And actually we had, I think three different people ask this as their uh, submitted question as well. So this is great. I know this is on people's minds. The absolute easiest way to do this is just ask the student. Whether that's just an email saying, hey, if you would like your parents included, we'd love to be able to reach out to them. Could you let us know how to get in contact with them? Uh, maybe it's you have a simple form that they fill out. You know, what's, what's their, their relationship to you? What's their name? What's their email? If they prefer phone calls or texts or whatever, you know, collect that information by going to the student because they know how to contact the parent. And they're going to be grateful that you don't have to keep going through them for everything. You know. It's not, hey, can you tell your parents this? Can you remind your parents this? Ask your parents this. You know, the, the more that you can go directly to the parents and the parents don't have to ask the student for everything, you're happier all the way around. Uh, having opt-ins on your site. So just having simple form fills where parents can sign up and say, I want to learn more about the college search process. You know, if my student is graduating in 2023, have a comm flow built for them. How do you talk to them and tell them about the process and get them excited. Uh, having digital parent campaigns, whether that's digital marketing on social, display, video, audio, what have you, having ways to get in front of parents and having specific campaigns targeted to them where they can go back to a parent landing page with information uh, and opt in to communications that way, that's a great way to bring parents in, even if their student hasn't become a prospect or an inquiry. Uh, and then use your print effectively. When you're sending things, you know where the parents live or the guardians live because you also know where the student lives usually, right? Uh, so sending something to them and just having a quick opt-in for them and say, hey, you know, we can keep sending you mail, but if you'd rather receive an email, if you'd rather talk to us by phone, if you'd rather receive a text, here's how you can opt in to do that. And I always advocate start this at the prospect stage because parents are very involved early on. They're having a, a major impact on the students. So don't wait until they've applied or even been accepted. Uh, that's where you want to get in front of them and build that relationship early so you can be that supporter and you can be that guide to them. You know, you're walking alongside them. You're not just talking at them. Okay, so I pulled out five tactics here of, from the results of how we want to engage parents. First one here, you need to be omnichannel. Uh, and if you've seen this or, or maybe you haven't seen it before, Omnichannel just means an integration of channels. Uh, so whereas multi-channel just means having a lot of ways to get in touch, omnichannel means they work together. So that means, you know, you don't have to be everywhere, but you have to be coordinated where you are. 
So having consistent messaging, consistent language, uh, a consistent way of really carrying that experience through. So if they're getting a piece of mail from you, it doesn't feel completely out of sync in timing or content from the emails, from the digital ads. You know, it's all working together. Um, so one of the things we asked was how they were contacted by colleges. And we asked about, you know, did all colleges, did most colleges, or did some colleges, or did you just not receive this at all? Uh, the top two ways that parents received contacts were through email and print mail. Uh, only 47% though said they received a, a email from every college that their child was looking at. So that's something that leaves some room there uh, that, you know, there's 53% there's of parents uh, who are saying that not every college reached out to them. Uh, you know, I think that both of these, both email and print, all parents, because these are parents who, who had a child enroll in the fall, you know, these aren't just, you know, these aren't junior parents. These aren't parents who are, you know, they, their student looked at one college and never applied even. These are students whose, these are parents whose student enrolled. So 100% of them sure received an email and a print piece at a minimum, I would think. Whether that's a simple postcard from at least one college, right? A simple postcard saying, hey, we're excited for move-in day. Uh, you know, whether that's an email talking about, you know, the next steps for financial aid and things like that. That's something that they should, you know, if you aren't contacting parents before their child's tests on campus, that's a miss there. Uh, phone calls uh, and then text, text being the, the least common there uh, for, for parents. This is something that, you know, having that coordinated experience across all four of these will significantly help you. I think there's really two channels and two ways you can think of this. There's the awareness channels. So how do you get in front of people and build that interest early? And you have the traditional methods. So you have print, phone, TV, radio, out of home. Those are going to be sort of, uh, you know, I always hear the, the term spray and pray. Uh, you know, you're, you're just trying to get out there in front of as many people. Maybe they have kids looking colleges. Maybe they don't. But they're just out there as an awareness tool. Uh, the modern ways are going to let you really target parents who, are, who have children who are actively searching. Uh, so that's your display marketing, your search, your social, both paid and owned, uh, remarketing, content marketing, inbound marketing. So how are you drawing people to your website? You know, what referral sites do you have? What partnerships do you have? How are you bringing people in? Uh, streaming audio, streaming video. These are all ways of building awareness for your institution that can attract that interest and bring parents into the funnel early and have them help advocate for you. Once you know of the parents and you have this student and you're working with them, then you have your engagement channel. So how do you keep them engaged with the process? What's traditional? You know, sometimes you'll see print done really well. Sometimes it's just the generic talking at you rather than inviting a conversation. Phone calls, great way to get back and forth. Uh, and whether that's scheduling something with the whole family or doing a separate call to parents, easy way to keep engaged. And the modern ways of doing that, targeted display, targeted search, your paid and owned social, remarketing content, you know, the same types of things you can do very selectively targeted. The second tactic here, these parent awareness campaigns, we just mentioned that. If we're talking about a traditional enrollment funnel and not, I, I like to think of it as a dance, you know, where we're not just generically going to be going down the funnel towards this inevitable enrollment. You know, there's going to be some back and forth. There's going to be some stalling. Sometimes you're moving faster, sometimes slower. You know, 
with with these parent awareness and campaigns, the parents we saw actually starting the college search sooner than their children. So having an early outreach to parents might actually be more fruitful than trying to go after these freshman and sophomore students who aren't actively searching, but their parents might be. So we looked at these timelines. I'm comparing this um, to our senior survey where we talked to enrolling students and asked them, when did you start actively searching for colleges? When we look at the very beginning, so I just lumped everything together. We have it all broken out in the full results, uh, but looking at everything before the junior year, a quarter of parents said they started their active college search then, and only 19% of students. During that junior year, again, parents outpacing students, 40% versus 28% of students. So you already have almost two-thirds of parents by the end of junior year who are saying that they started looking at colleges, when in reality, less than half of their students said that they were actively looking for colleges. So the parents are trying to get ahead of things. Uh, so that's something to think about as you're planning out your comm flows, when you want to start reaching out. Summer before senior year, that's when the students start kicking it in. And then finally, during senior year, students were twice as likely to wait until their senior year, until the parents. Uh, the parents had another option uh, because it was of students enrolling this past fall. So there were some parents who uh, their student had been out of school for a year or two, and so the parent was helping them then. And so they, they had that extra option of post-graduation. I think there's four questions that you need to be able to answer for parents in all of your marketing. You need to be able to answer the who. They need to know who you are, especially if you're talking to prospects. They might not have heard of your institution before. They need to know who you are, what's your culture, what's it like on campus, what do you believe, all that. How do you support students? You know, where? Are you going to be close to them? Are you far away? What's the campus setting? The way you talk to, to parents, uh, they're within... 20, 30 minutes of campus should be very different than if that student's going to have to hop on a plane. You know, there's a different conversation you can have with the parents then. You need that why. Why should these parents care about your institution? What stands out? What makes you different? Don't say you have small class sizes. Everybody says that. Don't say you have engaged faculty. Everybody says that. What actually stands out there? Uh, and then you need, I, I think when and how are essentially the same question for this. Because you're looking at what are the deadlines? What's that consideration in decisions? You know, when are you going to be expecting them to take action? And how do you want them to do that? Uh, I think I, I just omit what, because they're in the market for a college. They already know what they're looking for. They're looking for a college, right? There is a lot of, fa of factors that play into how parents consider colleges with their children. So like students, we stopped asking about financial aid because that was always at or very near 100% saying it was important or very important. Assume that's number one for everybody. I'm not going to keep asking a question I already know the answer to. Uh, this year, we see the most important characteristics, safety, ranking of the college, clubs, and activities. Those are our big three. They want to know that there's opportunities to get involved. They want to know their child's safe. I can't blame them. I don't know if everyone here has kids or not, but you know if you have kids, you're, you're going to want to make sure they're safe wherever they're at. Um, and rankings, you know, that's a big one that... I think there's there's some hesitancy there and there's some frustration around them, but it's also not the be all end all. A ranking is a starting point. You know, if I'm looking for a restaurant, you know, you want a place to start to review. Well, there's a lot more colleges than there are restaurants in the area. So think about how do we start narrowing down our list? And for parents, and we see it for students too, they say rankings, you know, play a role, 
They want to know that they're going to a decent place, whatever that means to them. Um, and, and they use that as sort of their starting point. So with that, I really always encourage using reviews and rankings. Have those proof points. Have other people talk about you. That's a great way to get in front of people and have more of an impact. They're going to care more what someone else says about you than what you say about yourself because who's going to say anything negative about themselves, right? Who's going to say, hi, I'm, I'm Will College and I need to improve on these things? Well, okay. They're going to look at there's a lot of great things, but if one of the things that this college doesn't offer is something that really matters to me, you know, they want to hear that. You know, We want to engage parents in this third way of using rankings and reviews. And here's one of the reasons that matters. From Trustpilot trust here, we saw an increase in orga organic click-through rates uh, in emails when people were talking about reviews or they shared some rankings of the college. When you have those proof points from somebody else, you have a way of engaging people. Uh, they saw higher customer acquisition. In our case, that would be more inquiry forms, more applications, uh, increase in click-through rates in their emails. In, you know, there's lots of ways that you can test using rankings or reviews. That's something that I think is, is something we want to make sure you're putting out there. We specifically asked about other types of parents. So how did other parents influence their search? The most important to them were reviews from other parents online. That really backed the, this up, that they cared more about anonymous parents submitting questions and, and submitting their reviews. They want to know, they wanted to hear from parents of currently enrolled students. So parents who have kids at that institution right now, that was important to them. What was interesting, what I thought might be really important to them and, and wasn't, they weren't necessarily going to other parents that they knew who have kids looking for colleges. When we think about so many decisions, we go to our peers to get their feedback, talk to them. You know, that's something that, that's really interesting. They're not necessarily going to their peer group for this. They're going to other people who have, institution, who have a, a perspective on that institution, but may not necessarily be someone they know. And just calling it out here again, you know, ranking being the second most important. That's something that they do care about for sure. Go ahead, drop another quick poll in here. I want to see, are you using uh, reviews in your outreach already? You know, are you using it for both students and parents, just students, just parents, or not using it at all yet? When I was on the, on the campus side, uh, we saw significant increases in both emails and digital ad uh, engagement rates and conversions by including reviews in there. So finding reviews that really spoke to the program we were talking about, that spoke to what was going on, that's something that I think is really uh, a great way. Uh, yeah, it's just a great way of, of further engaging people. We'll give this a little bit to get, let, people, let people get this in. About half of people aren't using reviews right now. It's interesting, we have more people using for students and parents, 2% saying that they use it for parents only and not students. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of places here where you can start pulling in some reviews and get a better feel for what's going to work with these families. Yeah, this is something that I, I think there's opportunities here to keep growing, keep learning. It's a great job that student workers can have to just keep scouring and, hey, we found this great review that just got posted. Let's test that in a campaign. You know, keep on top of what's out there. Uh, I mentioned earlier, if you joined a little later, I'll share the results of all these polls and our follow-up tomorrow with the recording and everything else. The fourth insight here, really need to have those cost conversations early with parents. 
while we do see that parents were less price sensitive than their students, uh, we also had too many parents, in my opinion at least, too many low-income parents who didn't file a FAFSA, they said. So parents who should have qualified for aid and just didn't file a FAFSA. Um, there were a lot of reasons for that in the comments. We asked for a follow-up if they didn't, and just asking, you know, why didn't you file a FAFSA? And you get, you get a whole range. Uh, some were, I, I would call more of a rant uh, than anything else, but either it's, you know, we don't think we'll qualify. I don't know what this is, you know, things like that. In terms of price sensitivity, I want to show a comparison here. For the students, 73% said that they should, there were colleges they did not apply to because of the total published cost. Wouldn't even consider it. Parents, that was only 67%. So a little bit of a difference there. Students were much more likely to consider the least expensive colleges, 13%. So they would only consider a college if it was under $10,000 a year. Total cost, 4% of parents. We get all the way up there to the most expensive, over 60,000, 4% of students said that they would be willing to consider a college whose published cost was over 60,000, 11% of parents. Neither one is, is all that, that high really, but um, you know, there is, there is a, a difference there. Parents are willing to at least consider a little bit higher. And when I mentioned about the FAFSA, 78% of parents overall said that they completed a FAFSA it only went up 1% when we looked at low-income parents. Only 79% said that they completed a FAFSA. That to me is way too low for people who should be qualifying. You know, so having this early outreach where you get in front of them and talk about you know, the FAFSA, about here's how we can help finance college. Here's what scholarships are. They're different than loans. They're different than grants. Here's how those all apply. What is work study? Have those conversations early. Don't wait until middle of senior year to have those conversations. Uh, I wanted to pull out one of those quotes uh, when we have the, uh, the free response of, why didn't you fill out a FAFSA? This parent said, I didn't understand it. I didn't want anything complicated. You know, and this was from a parent who reported that they had five children with a household income under 50,000. So this is someone who should be qualifying for aid uh, and said that they didn't understand and just thought it was gonna be too complicated, so they didn't file a FAFSA. That's leaving some support on the table and, and hopefully they could still find a way to make college work for their child. But this is why we need to have those conversations early so they don't get to senior year and feel like this just feels overwhelming. This is too complicated. I just don't want to do it. If they feel prepared for it, um, you know, their junior year, what have you, whatever, whatever feels right, like they're out, the right outreach for you, have those conversations early so you can build that rapport and they're going to feel more comfortable then. Last insight I want to call out here is just really focus on the outcomes. That's what matters most to parents. They care about the job placement and graduation rates more than others. Uh, retention and acceptance rates, uh, you know, those were less likely to be viewed as markers for quality for them. Um, so that's something that they want to know what are, the, what are their students going to get out of it. So we looked at these four success metrics that get touted a lot, job placement, graduation rate, acceptance rate, retention. Colleges love to talk about them, but how are parents receiving them? And we let them rank them one through four. Job placement rate, graduation rate, were most commonly put one, two. Uh, retention rate, acceptance rate, most often put three, four, uh, with retention rate being the least important to them. And if you've not had any experience with college, I question how many parents would even be able to define retention rate if they haven't been in college recently.
what they think it means. Uh, acceptance rate is really just a measure of, in, of inputs. It's not telling you anything about the experience once you get there. So that's something that you can probably just leave off. Focus on those outcomes. I always say you need to provide context. Context. So anytime you provide any of these data points, never show data without the why. Why does this matter? What does this tell you? What's the story surrounding this data point? So thinking about it in, in these ways, you have your outcomes, the things that really matter. What do these parents want to know about? Well, you have your graduation rates, your job placement rates, the grad and professional school enrollment rates. What's that alumni engagement? Do people graduate and stay involved? Do they disappear forever? You know, what student research is going on on campus? What are the hands-on projects that they'll have, uh, have some involvement with? And then think about what, how do we support all of these with proof points? How do we show it? Not just tell it. How do we show it? And reviews, of course. Think of that not just as a written text blur, but do you have video reviews? Do you have graphics? Do you have audio? Do you have text? How do you pull it all together? Again, omni-channel. How do we pull reviews into this engaging process? Highlight career services. I mean, that's part of your culture, right? If you're supporting students getting jobs, really highlight what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, talk about lifelong learning, engagement. How do we keep involved and keep students ready for the next steps? You know, it's not going to matter to everybody, but alumni giving, you know, if 90% of alumni are giving back to the college, that says something about their experience, right? Do they feel they can do that? Doesn't have to be a large amount, but are they giving back? If 5% of alumni are giving back, okay, I'd have some questions there. Uh, alumni networking events. Are alumni coming back to meet with students, help give them a leg up? Uh, and then think about starting in median salaries. Uh, that came up a lot. Uh, in terms of how do you evaluate the quality of the institution. Um, they talked a lot about, they want to know what the starting salary is. They want to know what the median career salaries are. And this was another quote I wanted to pull out when we asked, how do you evaluate quality? Just a free response. How do you evaluate the quality of institution? Well, they want excellent education paired with anticipation of successful results, such as return on monetary investment and future opportunities. You probably, as you read this, have a picture of the type of parent who would write this. But I just wanted to highlight here, there's two different sets of proof points you can talk about with this. The excellent education. How do you show that? How do you show that experience? But then also the outcomes, the successful results. How do you highlight what that looks like? And does that look the same for every major? You know, I would say no. You know, successful results for someone studying to be an accountant might be CPA pass rates. Uh, for someone who wants to be a doctor, med school, access, med school, are they getting in? Are they thriving once they get there? Uh, I would look at, you know, if you're in education, how many, how many people from your education program are still teachers five years out, 10 years out? Think about how do we show what we're saying? Uh, and looking through all the results of that free response, uh, there were four themes that really came out of it. And I just wanted to call out here. There was the reputational. Uh, a lot of people mention brand name. They want a name that other people will recognize. They care about the rank. They care about the reviews. That's the reputational aspect. There's the cultural. Uh, there are parents saying they want a specific religious affiliation. They wanted certain extracurriculars their student could be involved with. And then support. You know, is there support for mental health, for physical health, for career services? How do you help their student thrive? To me, that is absolutely part of the culture. You know, that is part of who you are. There's the price. People were using price to gauge quality, but in their comments, it wasn't the way you might think. 
They wanted something affordable. They wanted to see a lot of scholarships being offered, low graduate debt. That's more how they were evaluating the, the quality using the price. And then there were the inputs. They were looking at the test scores. They were looking at the academic profile of the students. They were looking at the class profile uh, of your of who goes there. All ways that they they look at things, pulling pieces from here and there will help you really engage with a larger set of your audience. If you're talking about the quality of your institution, only pulling from culture, if parents really care about the price or reputation, you're leaving them out. So think about these buckets when you're when you're doing some testing for Comflows. You can submit your questions into the chat window. Uh, we have some that have come in already. Uh, we had some that were submitted as part of the registration process. So we'll hit those first. Uh, for those who are new, just a couple quick slides here. Who is Niche? Um, so a little bit about Niche. Uh, we support 20, over 27 million students and families. Uh, we're the largest platform for, uh, for searching for schools, preschool through grad school. Uh, we have over 2,100 partners that we work with uh, to help them build applications and enrollments. Uh, we do this through modern enrollment marketing. So partnering with Niche, you can actually claim a profile for free, update photos. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can start engaging with students for free. Uh, we have additional resources, research. That's all free. That's ungated. Things like these webinars. You know, if we're collecting this information and not sharing it out, shame on us. We're always trying to learn more and then share out how you can use that. Uh, in terms of how you're actually engaging with students, uh, we have remarketing, digital marketing uh, from your profile to keep students engaged. We have inquiries and prospects. We have 27 data points on the students. Uh, the students opt in to be contacted either by the colleges that they, they're adding to their list or by similar colleges if they want to branch out and say, I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah, if this college is like one I'm looking at, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, we're a Slate preferred partner as well, so it's easy to get those back into to Slate. We also work with ACRM. Now for the questions that were submitted in advance. First up here, should we not move away from parents in the title of our conversations and move more into families since that's a wider spectrum? This, this person says they've tried that, but still confusing. I agree. Yes, I think talking about them as either families or as parents slash guardians, you know, that's going to be more representative, of course, but it also makes things a little more challenging. If I'm starting from scratch, or if I have the ability in a CRM, I'm just adding a drop down. Let them choose who they are. Am I a family member? Am I a grandparent? Am I, you know, how do they want to be thought of? Because I've, I mean, over the years, I've worked with students who were living with an older sibling. I uh, worked with students who parents were completely hands off. So all communication was going to the student and their guidance counselor. So that guidance counselor was filling that guardian role in a lot of ways. Um, so providing just some drop downs and selections, allowing that opportunity to add notes so that the counselors know how to communicate with, with these people, whoever they may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, this survey was specifically of parents, but yeah, if you're, when you're talking to students, you want to be able to address whoever they're working with. Are parents still consuming more traditional advertising than digital? Yes, they are absolutely consuming more traditional than students, but there's no indication that they're, they're consuming more traditional than digital. Uh, they're re certainly receiving more digital than traditional. When we asked about the channels they're receiving, they're receiving more digital. You know, I think that print, 
out of home, all that is a way to get in front and build awareness. But if you want to be able to really selectively target and do things, you know, in a more scalable way, digital is going to make more sense for reaching parents. Don't absolutely just flip a switch, cut off all of your traditional and then find out that you weren't prepared for digital, but wean yourself off uh, and, and you'll see, you'll see a little bit better results typically is what we're seeing. How do we reach parents early on in the funnel? You know, they're asking to others have success in obtaining parent email address, thoughts on to the parents of. Absolutely. I mentioned this a little earlier. Talk to the students. Say, we would love to be able to talk to your parents, make sure they're in the loop, your gardens, whoever. Um, you know, just ask them. Uh, writing specific parent engagement campaigns, having a way for parents on your website to reach out and say, I want to be kept in the loop. You know, my child graduates in X year. You know, I want to be able to know what's coming. <laughs> what's the timeline? What are you all about? That's a great way that I really recommend having that option as well. But send something to your house, a postcard. I'm not a big fan of, of formal letters. Um, this most of the time don't get read. Um, but if you send a postcard and just say, hey, we'd love to be able to engage you, parent of whomever, you know, word it better than that, of course, on the fly. But um and then either have a QR code, a landing page, somewhere they can go back to and tell you more about themselves, how they want to be engaged with. How do we navigate working with parents without putting the student in the middle? Uh, I think having ways, you know, having their email address, having their phone number, knowing how they want to be communicated with absolutely will help. So having fields in your CRM where you can store all this information about parents connected to that student's record makes a lot of sense. You know, that way you're not having to rely on going to the student all the time. Initially, you might have to say to the student, you know, how are we, you know, I would love to be able to um, get in touch with your parents. How can I do that? Do they prefer email? Do they prefer mail? Um, you know, that's, that's how you initiate that conversation. Don't make the student tell the parents everything because I don't know if everyone out there is a parent, they're not going to tell you everything. So. Uh, parents and students engage with marketing so differently. Uh, any insights about how parents engage with information on niche differently than students? That's something that's actually the subject of upcoming data dive. Uh, so I just wanted to leave this in to say, yep, we're working on on writing all that up uh, to see how are they engaging in terms of the number of colleges they're looking at, what parts of the profile they're looking at, things like that. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that surprised me a little when we look at some of the preferences, they're not all that different than their students their preferences were pretty similar in terms of what they want to hear about, how they're communicating. Yes, they're more likely to be active on Facebook than their students. Yes, they're less likely to be active on TikTok and Instagram than their students. But if we're talking about what they want to hear about, how they want to hear about it, it was very, very similar. Uh, do you have any strategies or tips to share with how to help inform lower income parents about FAFSA? This was a great one that came in today. Um, <coughs> I talked about a little bit having parent only events. So make it don't don't single out students because you're not going to know typically if they are low income until you receive their FAFSA, right? How often does someone come up to you as a junior and say, hi, my household income is X. So working early and having these parents only events where you talk about FAFSA, where you talk about the financial aid process, scholarships, you know, how do we make college affordable? Having these for parents, whether that's webinars, whether that's blog posts, whether that's email, whether that's 
of audio series. You know, how are you telling parents early on, sophomore, junior year, how to afford college and build that relationship early? So really want to uh, to have those. If you have these events, always have them also on demand. So if someone can't attend live, uh, have a way for them to consume it later as well. Okay. Just a reminder, you can find all the research at niche.bz slash research. We had quite a few questions come in. Uh, so I will start going through these in just a second. First question. Uh, yeah. So they said that, that while most parents aren't considering HBCUs as important characteristics, uh, they want to know about the racial breakdown. Uh, racial breakdown, just like our, our student ones, very closely mirrors the U.S. as, as a whole. Now, about half of um, respondents who, who said that they were African-American and black did say that an HBCU was important. Um, we also saw in, in previous surveys too, uh, just an interesting thing, an outsized number of Hispanic or Latinx students also said HBCUs were important. Um, so that's something that, that was interesting there. Um, similar situation with HSI, Hispanic serving institutions. While not as important to the overall population, much more important to Hispanic and Latinx students. Spurs says they're glad to see that parents aren't talking to their peers. Maybe they recognize their kid is not this other kid. One size does not fit all. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, I was expecting more back and forth with other parents, more um, reliance there. And if you look at things like if you if you go to, the, I don't know how many people are involved on, on Reddit and all the college boards there, um, applying to college is a big one. But students are constantly asking their peers what they think. That's something that, that people just do. You know, parents do the same thing. They ask other parents about, hey, my kid did this. Is that, did your kid, is that normal? If you want to know, hey, a new restaurant opens, you know, a lot of people will go to their friends and say, hey, have you eaten there yet? What do you think? There's a lot that goes on in our life around peers. So I'm surprised that the online reviews that current student parents were much more important to them than their friends, people that they know personally. Uh, on the use of reviews, you need to get permission from the reviewer. If you're going to use their name, definitely. Uh, otherwise, a lot of them are anonymous already, uh, so there's not a need to. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to include a name, just as you would a testimonial, you need that that likeness sign-off. So uh, your, your lawyers at the institution will likely already have a likeness um, certification. But. A uh, problem with low-income parents not completing the FAFSA is that they think that it will out them to the government in a negative way. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who don't file a FAFSA for various reasons, uh, whether it's they don't think that they will get anything. Um, you know, we I've worked with families who um, didn't have a status that they could have filed anyway. You have anything from that to the parents who reported saying that I don't want the government to know how much I make. Well, if you're filing your taxes, I think think they're already ahead of the game there. Uh, but yeah, there, there's some hesitation there. Another question about demographic break, breakdowns. Um, yeah, that, that will be all in the, in the blog post. Does a list of importance of different qualities uh, remain the same by region? There are differences by region. Uh, I would really recommend, uh, there's a Tableau dashboard. I forget if that's in there actually. But yeah, there's safety overall didn't change. You'll see some shuffling of importance of some of the things closer to the middle and bottom. But the top three, the extracurriculars, same thing, and rankings were important across the U.S. 
Uh, let's see. We collect parent phone and email when students register for campus tours, keep them in the loop with event info, and then can follow up with them throughout the process. This has been positively received by parents and students. It takes the burden off the student to keep the parent informed. Thanks, Courtney. That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah, anytime someone comes to an event, you should be, I mean, especially if they bring their parent, you should be collecting that information. Same thing with at the application stage. You can do the same thing at college fairs, honestly, because typically a parent is with them there. So you have the student info, get the parents while they're standing right there. Another person said that they've had parent-only events and had low attendance. You know, I think it comes down to timing, messaging. I've also seen them work extremely well. Uh, so it may just be have it on demand so they can come back later and view it that way. Uh, what's an effective way to share the outcomes of a university, such as grad school, uh, if the data hasn't been tracked? If you don't have the data, you can't share it. Uh, so it should be gain tracked. Job placement rates should be getting tracked on campus. Uh, that's something that it might not be your office, but institutional research absolutely should have it. So talk to other offices on campus. Somebody has that. But yeah, I mean, if nothing else, do interviews with alumni. Share their story. Uh, you know, that's something that can be a great way to get a little bit better. Yeah, maybe you might not have at hand the medical school placement rate or the chiropractic school placement rate. If you have stories of someone who went to your college, stayed, went on, was successful, you know, that's going to be extremely valuable anyway. Parents are afraid to share what college their students are applying to because they don't want to know where their student is applying. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. So creative ways of sharing outcomes without having the data. Yep. So sharing video, audio, you know, graphical stories. You know, how are you talking about the outcomes? You know, being able to show it is going to be much more important than just saying, we have a 70%, uh, you know, graduation rate. What does that mean? But talking to students who maybe started out and didn't know if they would be able to thrive, didn't know if they'd be able to graduate and did, and they're successful. Uh, if there aren't any more questions. Mm -hmm.